Welcome in episode 14 of the Print Fest DFS podcast. My name is Justin Rue alongside Scott Bandy, and we're going to be breaking down our DraftKings lineups for week 12. And it was a week where I got my shit just kicked in. Another week, you know, it happens. Uh, last week was up, this week is down. It's just kind of the way it goes with the with the way the margins are here on DraftKings cash games. So, um, you know, it's just just kind of the way it goes. How'd it go for you? Um, I had a decent week, but I ran a little cold. I actually missed the line of cash by less than a point. <laughs> so, like, basically by .46 in the $25 double up, I missed the cash line. I ended up winning – I scored 131, won 55% of my head-to-heads, but I didn't cash a single double up or 50-50. Yeah. So, I ended up losing money despite winning more than half my – head-to-heads but um process-wise we'll, we'll go through but i'm i'm pretty content with my process just a little bit of run bad yeah yeah so i ended up scoring 110 and a half uh you know line of cash was depending on what you're in uh you know 130 132 give or take uh yeah so obviously nowhere near line of cash we'll start with quarterback so you played herbert i ended up playing Derek carr um you know herbert was fine for you Derek carr I thought, you know, process-wise going into this game, he's been playing basically out of his mind. Efficiency-wise, he's been great. And he was going into the Dome to play against Atlanta, who's been horrible. I talked about him on the on the pod on Friday. You know, 5,700 taking on Atlanta. Their implied total is 28.5. They end up scoring six points, and he had four turnovers. And ended up just completely bottoming out, scoring 4.6 points. So um, I'm perfectly fine with the process of playing Derek Carr. It's just, uh, that's just the variance of football. Yeah, that's definitely like a bottom 10 percentile outcome in this matchup. I mean, against the Falcons in the Dome, I mean, you expect a shootout in this spot. Pretty much everything that could have went wrong went wrong. So, but I thought Carr was, I mean, I was between Herbert and Carr. I was going to play one of those two until the, until the Fitz news came. Then he, he became in, he came into the player pool. But I thought Carr was perfectly fine for the price. He's been really efficient. He's been really good all year. So, I mean, you couldn't have run colder there, but the process I think was was fine. Yeah, and here's why I preferred Carr to uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was priced two hundred dollars cheaper. I had the money to get the Fitzpatrick, obviously because he's two hundred dollars cheaper, um, you know. But taking on the Jets, uh, obviously the matchup is just as good for Derek Carr as for Fitz. They both both the Falcons and Jets defense are piss poor. I thought that. Carr would have a better chance of being a shootout. He had a higher implied total. And, um, you know, the Falcons ended up scoring 43 points in this spot. He's got nothing going for Derek Carr. I didn't expect the Jets to be able to fire back on Fitz, which kind of limits his ceiling. He always has a solid floor. I I don't know what kind of ceiling he had in that spot there against the Jets. Um, Derek Carr ended up scoring like 20. Or uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended up scoring like 20. Derek Carr scores less than five. So, you know, this is kind of the way it goes. Yeah, that's just the variance, but I mean, I agree with you. Carr definitely had more upside in that spot when you expect the Falcons to, you know, show up, and the Falcons did their part. It's just, yeah, Carr didn't get there for you. Yeah, so maybe we go to running back. Uh, we both played Dalvin Cook and Naheem Hines, so we'll start with Dalvin Cook. I mean, he was 75% owned. We, we all knew that he was the best player on the slate. 9,500 running back was weak on this slate. There was kind of nowhere to pay up for. He was easily the best running back to pay up for. Uh, you know, heading into this game, he's averaging like 30 touches a game in, the, in his last four. 
you know, at home against Carolina. He still ended up getting 22 touches in the spot. Uh, you know, just didn't get in the box. He ended up fumbling, and he got hurt at some point in this game. And he also kind of bottomed out at 11.2 points. I would make this play 100 times out of 100. I don't feel bad about it at all. Yeah, Carolina's the league's worst run D. Um, Dalvin Cook typically always hits in the spot. He really is – and in cake matchups, he really is – bulletproof for the most part but in this spot he just ran bad 75 percent known and so even though he had his floor in his spot it really didn't affect uh the outcome of the slate so again i would do this 100 out of 100 times i don't feel bad about it Can, running back is continually terrible right now so uh dalvin cook is as safe as it as it gets at the position he's been the best running back in the league this year so totally fine with that play yeah, and so we both ended up playing Naheem Hines. So with Jonathan Taylor uh, ruled out from being on the COVID list, he was also 62% of it, so he was massive chalk. And in this spot with Naheem Hines, we know his pass-catching role on this team, and it was just him and and, um, and Jordan Wilkins. And Hines was even getting goal line stuff. He got cuffed by Jacoby Brissett twice at the goal line, which is annoying, but he did get two carries inside the five. And we he had eight receptions for 66 yards, and we knew his floor – um, from pass catching was just so solid at 4,600. I was never passing up on Naheem Hines and he ended up doing just fine scoring 17 and a half points. Yeah, he ran real cold. Jacoby Brissett with two one-yard rushing touchdowns. I mean, come on, man. What the heck is that about? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a guarantee that he's going to get both of them, but if he gets one of them, I mean, that's an explosion, but 17 and a half his salary, man, that's, that's awesome. Eight receptions. You can't ask for more than that. When he broke, I, I thought that he was a much better play for Brian Hill. Cause I was never going to play both of them just because uh, I don't like to pay down for two running backs. So it was always going to be Hines over Hill for me. Um, so I thought Hines was pretty much a virtual lock with the, the status of running back on this slate. Yeah. Yeah, so – and then here's where we got different at running back. I ended up going with uh, with the chalk of Brian Hill and eating that, and he was 61% owned. Um, and you ended up going with Austin Eckler, who was, like, less than 5%. So I'll talk about Brian Hill first. So Brian Hill in this spot, you know, he's 4K. Todd Gurley's ruled out. We knew he would probably be the lead back. I, I, and he ended up getting 13 attempts. Um, he had 55 yards. He didn't catch a ball. He had one target. Um, you know, taking on – the Raiders, I thought that the Raiders have a terrible run defense. They're like 32nd DVOA. So I thought he would have a really nice spot here on the ground. I, I projected him for probably anywhere between 13 to 18 carries and then and probably the goal line roll with Quadre Allison ruled out. And at 4K, I thought that was really uh, a fine spot. I think that one thing we really just have to keep remembering is that with these guys that are really cheap, um, the projection on these guys might look really good, but it's a really volatile and very shaky projection. It's something that is not guaranteed. Projections are not data. Um, and it's just a projection at the end of the day. And it's very volatile when you get down to these guys where you don't know, you, you just don't know. I mean, Edo Smith ended up playing a bigger role than we thought. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a blowout and Edo Smith got a lot of his carries at the end of the game when it was already a blowout. But, you know, it's, it's, it's tough with these guys that are so cheap. And, and Brian Hill is just such an average player, maybe even below average. I mean, so 
Yeah, at 4K, I thought he really did open up the slate. Um, you know, allow me to get to Diggs, Ridley, and Jefferson, three alpha wide receivers. But, you know, only scoring five and a half points, really, uh, even though he was chalk, that certainly did not help. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it opened up Diggs, Ridley, Jefferson. That's that's pretty mouthwatering. Um, all three of those guys were in premier spots this week. Like I said, just because of the opportunity cost and the unknown with those low-priced running backs, I never feel comfortable slotting both of them in. I thought either one of them was fine. I mean, at their prices, I, I, I don't think anyone really expected uh, like a virtual 50-50 split between Hill and Edo. And then Edo getting the touchdown, of course, that obviously hurts. Um, so maybe that's a little bit of run bad, but uh, a lot of people went with that with Cook, Brian Hill, Hines. Uh, uh, that was a pretty popular build. Um, and it definitely scared me a little bit. Uh, but again, with the uncertainty and the touch splits for both Hines and Hill, I really was just comfortable slotting in Hines, who I knew had at least a really solid pass catching floor. Um, but if Brian Hill ends up getting those 15, 16 carries and just slots into that Todd Gurley role at 4K, I mean, you can never argue that play. He just ended up splitting more than I think a lot of people thought that he might. Yeah. So I'll move on to my wide receiver plays. So we both played Ridley, uh, and he was 37% owned. And he was the second highest owned wide receiver on the slate. We knew Julio Jones was out, and we know that he's, you know, always solid here in the Dome. Matt Ryan, always good in the Dome, and he's taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, who are just trash on defense. And we knew that, I mean, he's just the, an alpha wide receiver. Calvin Miller is an absolute stud, 7,100. Um, you know, he ended up having nine targets, catching six balls for 50 yards, and he got into the box. So he ended up scoring 17 points at 7,100. It's not, you know, exactly what you wanted, but also it didn't kill us either. Yeah, anytime Julio's out, I really do, like, I just love Ridley, especially when he's a little bit underpriced. Um, did he get tackled at the one in this game? I can't remember. I feel like he got tackled at the one for some reason. But, I mean, six for 50 and one, 17 points. He didn't hit value, but – on this slate, that was fine. Uh, I feel great about that play. I would, I mean, without Julio, I mean, nine targets really is maybe his floor in a spot like this, especially with the, this gave you really good correlation with Carr as well. Um, so, but obviously the defense, the Atlanta defense put up like 30 fantasy points or something. So that obviously didn't help the offense out. Um, they didn't throw as much as they maybe would have had to had they not had those defensive scores. And if, you know, Derek Carr and the Raiders could have put up a fight, this really could have ended up being an explosion for Ridley. So I really feel good about that. Yeah, and he ended up having – he ended up leading the slate with uh, with three end zone targets in, in this game. So to only score one touchdown, I mean, maybe he got a little bit unlucky there. Um so we also both played Stefan Diggs and Diggs in this spot, um, you know, process wise heading into this game, he was 7,600. There was a couple guys we knew that we could pay up for Keenan Allen, Steph Diggs, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, Jefferson, all those guys were squarely in play. So I preferred Diggs, uh, you know, in this game where Buffalo is really just throwing the ball so much now. On early downs in the first half, they're throwing the ball like 69% of the time. Like they are just slinging. They're just dropping back and passing. Well, they only threw the ball 24 times in this game because uh, they took a lead early and kind of never really looked back. Um, Diggs, 
just, I mean, kind of hit his floor. He ended up going seven for 39. He ended up having, um, pull it up here. He ended up having, uh, he ended up having 37.5% of the targets. So a 37.5% target share, um, you know, only having nine targets. But if you told me that Stefan Diggs had 38% of the targets against the Chargers at home, I mean, at 7,600, I'll take that all day. Yeah. And I mean, if they, if you, if I tell you that Stefan Diggs has seven catches, you're going to expect a lot more than 39 yards, too. Yeah. Remember, even in this game, ESPN glitched and said he had a 44 yard reception. We were like, okay, he's finally getting going. And then ESPN, being the glitchy system that they are, take that back and give it to Gabe Davis, who is just as owned as Diggs. And then Gabe Davis got in the box. Of course. Man, that was really built in. But seven for 39. Yeah. I mean, we just ran super bad there. And the Chargers really, for most of the game, struggled to do anything on offense, so they didn't have to throw. Um, so, And I thought this was a virtual lock to hit the over. It didn't. Uh, it didn't even really approach it. So this is another game that I feel like nine out of ten times shoots out. So I think we ran pretty cold here as well, especially with Diggs only being 17%. I thought he was going to be about 25% or so. So him being even lower owned definitely hurt. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs for my lineup is what cost me money, really. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing is that Tyreek Hill was 17% owned as well, but about the same as Diggs. And he he put a 60 spot on us. So, uh, yeah. And that's, they had, what, a $200 difference? Yes, they were $200 off. And in this lineup, I had the salary to get to, to Tyreek. Um, maybe it was wrong that I preferred Diggs with how much volume Tyreek was getting, but I thought, I mean, both of them were alpha wide receivers. Um, yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with Diggs in this spot. I, I definitely don't regret playing him. But, so moving on to my last wide receiver spot, I ended up going with Justin Jefferson. And so we knew Adam Thielen was out. It's another spot where it's a the number two receiver moving into the number one role. Justin Jefferson just keeps coming into his own. I mean, the guy, he was the highest in wide receiver on the slate by far. 45.5% own, um, you know, ended up going seven for 70 and having two touchdowns, 26 points at 6,300, total print fest, I mean, total smash um, for Justin Jefferson in this spot. I mean, I faded Justin Jefferson, which was really, really scary. And he scored, I think, on the first or second drive of the game, and I was like, oh, man, I'm so dead. Yeah, I might as well just chalk it up, shut it down. Yep. Close my laptop. Um, definitely a scary fade. So I went the same round as you and played Cook, Jefferson, or Cook and Rudolph. And I really didn't feel all that comfortable playing three uh, Vikings, but I thought Cook and Rudolph were virtual locks. And I felt like if I had played Diggs and Ridley, if one of them at least just matched Jefferson, I didn't think it would kill me. Now, obviously, neither one of them did, but I still don't think it killed me. Tyreek's what really did me. Tyreek, Mahomes, Kelsey, they were all owned by a quarter of the field. That's what really did me in today. Um, but process-wise, I probably should have just played him. Um, Justin Jefferson is just seemingly an alpha man. People said he was just going to be a big slot, and I bought in that a little bit because he pretty much exclusively played the slot in college. But, man, he is just balling out on a weekend, week-out basis. So – if there's a process mistake that I made, I think it's that. 
maybe I should have prioritized Jefferson over one of Diggs or Ridley um, and just rode out the three Vikings. If I would have done so, I would have easily cashed. So, um, yeah, that, that's just something to note for me in the future. Jefferson obviously was a premier play on the slate. Yeah, so moving on to tight end, um, as we talked about before, I ended up going with, with Kyle Rudolph. And so Irv Smith was out, Adam Thielen was out, and I know it, it put me on Dalvin Cook, Jefferson, and Rudolph. And I've been in this spot before, and I've made money in spots like this where I've played three players from the same team. And when all three of these players are glaring values, I think it's perfectly fine, especially when it's a tight end who is a punt. You know, if this is, if, for example, if we're talking about the Chiefs and we're talking about like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey, I, I would be scared playing all three. But when we're talking about one of these guys is a total punt, I think it's perfectly fine. And Kyle Rudolph ended up smashing. He was 2,800. And he ended up going seven for 68. Obviously, it was like the nut game script for him because the Vikings got down early. They had a couple like fumble recoveries against them for touchdowns to force them to the air. But, um, you know, I, I feel really good about the process of paying down for tight end. We talk about it every week, paying up for tight end. Tight end is such a dumpster fire position. And even though Travis Kelsey and Waller are on this slate, um, I was perfectly fine punting it off. I, I am always happy to punt off tight end. Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. Uh, the opportunity cost at tight end is non-existent, man. Um, Rudolph outscored Waller, I believe. So, yeah. I mean, that tells you Kyle Rudolph in a game where Irv Smith is out, who he's been splitting with all season, and Adam Thielen's out, who is leading the league in end zone targets, um, against Carolina, who over the, the last four or five weeks has been really pitiful against the tight end position. I thought that added up to him being – unfatable at that price at 2.8 day obviously seven for 68 is more than even i expected but man i mean that is just a screaming screaming value so uh, i was never gonna not i was never coming off of kyle rudolph not for a second yeah yeah and at defense i end up i always like to punt off defense i end up going with 2200 with the broncos you know they're at home taking on uh, Taysom hill and you know they got the doors blown off and they didn't have a quarterback in this game obviously so they had like no time possession to do anything on offense. And I mean, the Saints just absolutely just walked all over this defense. They dog walked them for 31 points. And so, but they ended up getting three sacks and got a, an interception out of Taysom. They, they gave up 31 points, but you know, they gave me four points from a defense. It's, you know, it's not great, but a defense that's at home taking on a bad quarterback, I'm, I'm always about that. And I guess if you want to debate that Taysom Hill's bad, I, I, I think he's bad. Maybe he's not. Maybe I was wrong. Oh, I for sure think he's bad. I mean, he's running super – he's running hotter than the sun with this rushing right now. He's got four rushing touchdowns the last two weeks. I don't believe with him uh, believe in his arm at all. Alan Kamara is basically non-existent now in the passing game. Uh, the Broncos, I mean, 2,200 home defense. I didn't have the salary with the bill that I had to play them, so I ended up on the Jets that we'll talk about in a few minutes. I thought the Broncos were perfectly fine as a punt. Uh, the only thing that really was concerning for me in this game is that they were playing without a quarterback. Yeah. And so I was like, man, that defense is going to get tired out. Time possession is probably going to be pretty lopsided. Um, but I thought they were fine. I mean, when you punt defense, again, there's so much variance. That 
one week you might get four in the same spot that you might get 15 the next week. I mean, anything can happen. I thought a defensive touchdown for the Broncos was at least on the table here with Taysom uh, Helm. So I I, th- I actually like them better than the Jets. I just couldn't get to them. So. Yep. Yeah, so I ended up scoring 110 and a half points. Uh, as we talked about at the top, the line of cash was 132. And, you know, so that, that's just a, a punch in the, in the gut. I ended up winning 17% of my head to head. So, uh, you know, obviously not, not totally ruined, but you know, it's definitely a real kick in the teeth. So I'm going to switch off the screen share and uh, you can go ahead and show what you had. And I know you played Eckler. I believe we had a, we had a four before if you include defenses. So you had, you had Herbert Eckler, Isabella and Jets. And I had Carr, uh, I had Carr, Brian Hill, Diggs, and Broncos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're going to have to uh, enable screen sharing for me. There you go. 4v4, but really, I mean, it's really a 3v3 because of the variance of defense. I really don't. We, neither one of us really put too much thought into that on a week-in, week-out basis. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like we said, I, I was on either Herbert or Carr most of the week. Uh, I ended up on Herbert mostly because, one, I loved the game script. I thought this game was – it was personally my favorite of the week. I thought it was a virtual lock to hit it over. I thought it was going to be shootout city. Herbert's been great this year. He's hit 20 or more fantasy points every single week this year, which is nutty considering he's a rookie. (laughs) Uh, He honestly played like piss poor. I mean, for most of this game and still ended up getting the the 20 points somehow, mostly because he hit the bonus and had a two point conversion, which helped. Um, But man, I was tilting this for a while in this game and it really did hurt digs on the other side because they weren't putting out much of a fight, but he ended up being fine. 8.8%. Quarterback on the slate was really bad outside of Patrick Mahomes. I think Herbert was like a top three QB on the slate. Yeah. Um, so he ended up being fine. I felt I still feel great about that process. Um, like I said, I think nine out of ten times this game hits the over, it shoots out. This is really the first time this year we've seen Herbert struggle, but he ended up still being fine. Uh, didn't quite hit value, but he was close, so no regrets there. Um, my third running back, which was – uh, different from you is I played Austin Eckler. Um, now, yeah, there was a little bit of a concern for me that perhaps Austin Eckler might be on a touch a touch split or a, a snap count uh, coming back from injury. But he practiced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. He was 6,100, and I really thought he was underpriced. And I and I really didn't like much at running back. Um, and like I said, I didn't want to play Hines and Hill. So it was either going to be Eckler or Robinson for me. And with Mike going in at quarterback for the Jags, that kind of took me off of Robinson a little bit. And he was even more expensive than Eckler. So uh, Eckler absolutely smashed here. Uh, less than 5% owned. Really did help me on this slate. He ended up putting up almost 24 points. 11 receptions, man. Uh, that's what we were seeing from him before he, he had that hamstring injury with Herbert. I think he had 10 receptions week two or three with Herbert. Um, and again, I felt fine 
playing Herbert with Eckler because of that passing game work that Eckler has. I thought maybe I'll get a receiving touchdown, which would be just pants off intercourse. Um, So it was a little bit scary when I saw that he was less than 5% owned. Um, But after the first drive, when he got a few touches, I felt pretty confident he was going to be fine. So he ended up smashing uh, even without getting into the box. So I thought that was just – awesome man i couldn't have asked for more from him first game back absolutely and, and at five percent owned, kudos to you for having the stones to play him because i mean god he ended up playing 73 percent of the snaps and having 11 targets it was just the absolute nut spot uh for austin eckler at six one hundred. it's really um you know prudent of you to get out ahead of his salary because now he's 7100 on this week 13 slate and this is the cheapest he was going to be um, I, I couldn't pull the trigger. I did like him a lot. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I made a fish move. I played, I played Brian Hill instead of Austin Eckler. I mean, what, what can I say? I have gills. <laughs> I mean, what really, uh, locked me in was when the Balazs news came out, but once Balazs was inactive, I really felt pretty good that he was going to yeah. be out there a lot because they seemingly hate Josh Kelly. I mean, if you're playing Kalen Balazs over Josh Kelly, you might, you must, I mean, what did he do to piss off Anthony Lynn? <laughs> um, so I felt pretty good about that. Uh, again, it was a little bit, I was a little bit weary of it Sunday morning, but I ended up rolling out uh, Eckler and uh, I couldn't have been happier with the results. Yeah. Um, so moving on to receiver, we both played Diggs and Ridley. We've already talked about that. Uh, I ended up punting off my third receiver position with Andy Isabella at 3K. Um, so Larry Fitzgerald was put on the COVID list, so he was out for this game. So it really was basically a one-for-one replacement. Isabella just slotted into the to the slot role. Um, I think he ended up having the second most receptions on the team. Kyler played really, really bad. Um, I think he, he ended up with like seven fantasy points or something, far and away his worst performance of the year. But, I mean, Isabella, four for 33, Put up seven points at 3K. I, I mean, I can't be mad about that. I punted it off. What hurt was that Isabella was the same price as Gabe Davis, and Gabe Davis obviously smashed at a higher ownership too. But I was never going to play Gabe Davis with Diggs. Uh, even though it would have correlated well with Herbert and Eckler, uh, that felt too much like a GPP build for me, and I thought it took away from Diggs a little bit. Uh, so... Gabe Davis obviously smashed, and that definitely hurt. But, uh, again, at the end of the day, Diggs hitting his stone four in the spot is really what cost me money. I mean, one more catch from Stephon Diggs, five more yards from Stephon Diggs, and I cash double-doubles and 50-50s at least somewhat. So that really – I took that on the nose, man. Yeah, well, and also you had – Eckler had a ball. He caught down to the one, and then Josh Kelly cuffed him on the goal line on the next play. That could have been that. That's a that's a catch. So that, that got you. That have been a touchdown for Eckler. That's a ten point play because you get four from Herbert and and six for Eckler. That's a ten point play. It puts you up to one forty one. You're easily catching. You're catching triple up at that point. That's everything. So man, I I didn't even remember that man. That ugh. and on the first drive, Isabella caught the ball down to like the three. <laughs> so I, I think you're right on the cold. I mean, but here's what it is. At the end of the day, Isabella was 3K, and he was basically a full-time player on offense. He's basically Larry Fitzgerald, but with legit juice. He runs like a 4-3. Yeah. 
we've been wanting them to unleash Andy Isabella since they drafted him. I really liked him coming out of college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive production in college, man. Just a great profile. One of my favorite prospects. So didn't end up getting there. But at 3K, you get me four receptions for 33 yards. I'm never going to complain about that. Um, and then lastly, I punted off defense with the Jets. They obviously ran hot with nine points, you know, four sacks. They had two uh, fumble recoveries on Fitzpatrick. I didn't really expect that much for them. I thought Fitzpatrick was probably going to shred them. Um, he, he And he ended up getting there, but he really did struggle a little bit more. They only put up 20 points. Um, so, but I mean, it is what it is. Like I said, I thought the Broncos were a better play, but I didn't have the salary to get to them. Uh, yep. So I was forced on the Jets, but ended up working out. I ran a little hot, never going to complain about that. But again, with as much variance as there is at, at, at defense, I'm always going to punt it off just to slot in the guys at the primary positions that I love. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was an odd slate, obviously, with like Thanksgiving happening and then, you know, trying to transfer from that to start researching this slate. And, um, and there was so many moving parts and so many guys, so many injuries and COVID and all this. Um, it kind of, it kind of threw me off a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I end up fishing it out playing, playing Brian Hill. So I deserve to get my teeth kicked in from playing Brian Hill, and rightfully so, I did. That's uh, nah, just the way it goes. Uh, I I also I'm just messing around on Twitter while you were talking. Uh, there's some news that just hit the hit that Will Fuller he's out for six games for PEDs. Oh wow! So um, yeah, I was wondering why he wasn't getting hurt yet. I guess he was on steroids, and uh, so he's out. That's huge news. Wow. He's out for the rest of the season. Uh, that's that's the rest of the the fantasy season. That's the rest of the NFL season. They're not going to make the playoffs, so he's out. He'll be back in 2021. Um, so uh, I, I did look at salaries next week, and Brandon Cooks is 5,600 against uh, against Indy at home with no Will Fuller. So uh, that'll probably be Lock City. And yeah. That sounds good to me. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 14 of the PrintFest DFS podcast. We're going to be back on Friday night, breaking down our favorite plays. And I'm sure Brandon Cooks will be on that. And I'm sure some other crazy news will hit by the time that, uh, that we record on Friday night. So until then, good luck, everybody. <laughs>